Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. Um, so, uh, uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and jump in with this. Uh, normally, we are going to be on our Monday episode going over the new latest and greatest and also sometimes the worst and most terrible things that we can read and watch. Um, but luckily, <laughs> this week, we are joined by our, uh, our the fearless leader of the Geekly Grind. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, I sure can. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jeremy Snow. I'm the owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, and I am so stoked to be uh, joining Blake and Spencer today uh, to be chatting about a very specific show, uh, which uh, we'll get into here in just a minute, um, but it's been so great to you know, have this podcast family that's really sort of started around um you know we have comic book keepers we have a number of other shows now that have have joined us um but i just want to take a minute and say how awesome it's been to see the growth of this podcast uh just in the number of months since you you guys have kind of joined us and um i mean i obviously we we can't claim hardly any of that credit <laughs> Um, but it's, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's still really awesome. And I'm, I'm super glad that, uh, that we've been able to set you guys up with some cool experiences and hopefully we can get you guys some great giveaways and of course oh, yeah. convention season is sort of uh, peeking cannot, over the horizon. Cannot wait until I'm we can start going about. to more conventions, man. I just can't. Yeah. I just, uh, also if, if you're one of the people out there, that's just like, Oh man, I'm really excited that they got to interview uh, the the voice actors for My Hero Academia. That would not have happened without the Geekly Grind. Um, uh, also, if you like these Monday episodes, that probably also wouldn't have happened without them. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are some there are some elements that we've helped with for sure. But I just you know I, again, I, <laughs> you guys have got a fantastic base. You guys have got a great a great audience and and that's definitely helping with it and um we just we just love to keep throwing love and 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 gifts and and support at you guys yeah um, you can't we will t- continue you, to do so and thanks for bringing us on board yeah don't don't tell blake anymore though his head's already so huge that it's barely it's it's very difficult for him to sit in a chair without falling forward like the elephant man you don't know me <laughs> 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 he's like stop stop keep it coming right <laughs> it's like that, it's like that episode I mean, I of uh, i don't know of community where um where jeff like he he's he goes like full-on incredible oh, yeah. hulk inside of oh man oh my god that episode his shadow <laughs> look at his shadow <laughs> oh my oh, gosh man, well i will so i will try to avoid that scenario i will try to avoid it 100 yeah. percent. I, I don't know I'm that it needs to be, to be avoided, you guys sure about this the show today <laughs> yeah well man uh this is an exciting one because i had never ever watched this show um blake were you completely in the dark mm-hmm. about it too before we got this assignment um i was mostly in the dark i was aware of the show uh probably because of some combination of mother's basement and super eye patch wolf uh i'm i suspect that's where i heard about it uh but i i don't I don't know. It was on my list, but it was one of those things that was very far down my list. I suspect I would been I would have been unlikely to get around to watching this 
with maybe the exception of a Monday pod, mm-hmm. uh, if it hadn't been for us watching it for this episode. Yeah. So the show that we are talking about so specifically, like it, it, I was aware, but it wasn't on my radar. Yeah. The show we're talking about specifically is called Megalo Box. Um, if you've never heard about it before, um, a a brief synopsis of the the premise of the show uh, is that we are in a I I I feel like it's a nigh super distant future for the world um it's it's definitely far enough in the future that there is like advanced robotics that are powerful enough to give people the ability um instead of uh curing cancer and uh helping other people inside of the world instead they were just like you know what we should do with this (laughs) we should strap it to our bodies and beat (laughs) the hell out of each other and start punt beat the crap out of one another welcome to late stage capitalism ladies and gentlemen (laughs) Uh, yeah isn't this that's isn't this just the anime version of (laughs) isn't this just the anime version of the hugh jackman vehicle real steel from 2011 yeah yeah how dare you invoke the name of that film on this podcast (laughs) now people are gonna curiously look up that movie and be poisoned for life holy moly um, but yes, that's exactly that's exactly that's a, that's an apt comparison. Did, so, did anybody uh, did anybody else get a get a feel for it where you're just like it? There's there's also some points, especially in season one, um, where it also felt like uh, what was happening with the setup of it was almost like a like a super soldier serum sort of thing, like a like a Marvel yes. issue with mm-hmm. it. It's, yes. it's it's really interesting, but. Um, what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about uh, the second season, but we figured before that we should be getting into somewhat of a primer of the first season. Uh, so uh, uh, we like to warn people a little bit of spoilers beforehand. We are going to go through the entirety of the first yeah. season. So if you are not on board or up to date with that, just be prepared. We're going to be getting into like heavy spoiler territory. Um, and then let me, uh, let me propose... Because this is a Monday pod, let's do a quick, no spoiler, high level. Yeah, like high level overview. Two sentence of, thoughts. Yeah, and um, then and, and that way the regular Monday pod people who are being caught off guard by us doing full spoilers today can go forth and sin no more, and then we can get into spoilers. Yeah, but I, what I was going to say as well is that after the the primer, oh, so let's do a quick recap. Uh, what we thought about it first season and then the second season at the very end. And the reason why is because like the second season has like, if you talk about it at all, it is massively spoilery of season one. Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah. it there. It's, it's like it, the main character has changed dramatically. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, due to, due to uh, events that affected other characters. Uh, yeah. Like almost immediately you're like, yep, that's a spoiler. Just, just describing what's going on. It's going to spoil the first season Yeah, um, and spoil yeah. everything. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, my, so, my first my- feelings on it, man, like, uh, holy crap. I did not, I did not expect to like this show as much as I ended up liking this show. Um, and I think that this is this show does the rare thing of being a sports anime that transcends the sport that it is like doing a riff on, um, which is like, I think that y- you brought up before, before we started recording, he brought up, uh, it's like uh, Hajin no Impo, um, which is a, 
a sports anime that I have been told is one of those as well. That's like, it's about boxing, but you can love it. Even if you're one of those people that's just like, you love Rocky for the premise of Rocky. And like, uh, that's the reason that you like it. This one is like, uh, you fall in love with the main character so much that it just kind of transcends the sport that it is playing with. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I would throw in with that. I didn't expect to like this. There were times when I felt my attention slipping a little bit, but the show managed to quickly grab me again. So I think it's really well made. I remember talking about Haikyuu, which is another very popular and well-liked sports anime, even by people who aren't into sports. And that came up in our Discord one time, and one of our Discord people said that they they couldn't get into it because it was sports. I really dislike sports uh, to the point that I sometimes resent sports and (laughs) I really enjoyed this. And so your mileage may vary. If you are just like a sports or a complete no go, like the person who I cannot remember because it was a long time ago in our discord chat who like, even though Haikyuu is, is highly regarded, they couldn't get into it because it's sports you may find yourself feeling that way with boxing uh as well and not be able to get into megalobox but i would say even if you think you might be that give it a try give it probably like two or three episodes and see if it doesn't grab you because it definitely grabbed me yeah but it's... also it's boxing you know it they're yeah. they're punching each other it's not that far from our regular <laughs> good old shonen trash <laughs> i mean really by by a stretch and i figured you guys would would like this because i mean there's punching involved, therefore it is shonen, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. It can kind of stretch that real thin, kind of like, you know, like spaghetti even through a black hole sort type of thing, right? Superpowers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. There are there are some superpowers involved. Um and you know, so again, kind of like if we're thinking about the high level, right? So so um two sentence or, or, or two minute or whatever overview of this. If you've never heard of mega box before, it follows a boxer named junk dog. That's his like kind of uh, call sign. That's his, that's his God given name is his uh, mother. <laughs> his mother had him and she was like, that's junk dog. And they were like, isn't that mean? And she's just like, <laughs> shut up. I'm drunk. junk dog i shall name him junk dog and he will be revered by all of the other dogs in the junk room and that (laughs) that that theme does continue uh around dogs you'll get that comes back later but anyways um so yes junk dog he's doing underground fights with an unscrupulous trainer um they get involved with the mafia because of course they do and basically he tries to fight his way to the top of a very competitive boxing organization uh involving um these uh, gears um that Again, uh, this technology that mankind is using instead of, you know, curing cancer and things like that, but instead strapping these gears on people's backs and beating the crap out of each other. Yeah. So that's Megalobox very broadly. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 so inspired. Should... Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, should people that want to jump off to avoid spoilers go watch it? I say very much so. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely one yes. of those that you should jump in. It's like it's it. it uh Blake's explanation of it when he started watching it was uh he was like it's Spike Spiegel if he decided that he wanted to become a boxer instead of a bounty hunter. 
Yes. Yeah. There's a lot yes. of Cowboy There's Bebop a lot theater. of Cowboy Bebop vibes on this um, for many different reasons, like the music, the the vibe, the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, lots, the of, lots of that. The hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do not disrespect the fro. Um, yeah, all, the, all those things. Um, all right. And, and it this, yeah, so that that's it. Well, uh, that being said, <laughs> if you don't want your primer, uh, this is your checkout point. But come back after you watch the entirety of the show. Um, but uh, uh, we are going to go ahead and jump into the season one primer. And uh, holy crap, man. Uh, the first episode starts out with such a bang. Um, the, the like, ennui that there is inside of the show is so intense with junk dog <laughs> as he starts and it's just like yeah. him like riding on a motorcycle to the edge of the cliff and just being like i can't do it today man and i was just like oh man junk dog is he's uh he's really really on the edge uh <laughs> literally literally on the edge literally driving to the edge <laughs> right of yeah he's cliff. he's living his uh, aerosmith song life where it's just living on the edge he can't help himself from falling living on the edge you know you remember that song from Aerosmith? anybody dealer <laughs> give him no give him no, no just acknowledgement just let let's just let him bask in the silence of that one <laughs> no i'm with you i'm with you on that one um so junk dog is a punchy boy in an underground, <laughs> underground arena and he's he his whole deal is that he throws fights, right? Like he has a he has an uh, a coach slash fight throwing organizer that he works with, and it sounds like he's made a modest name for himself in the underground arena through throwing fights. Which I was like, isn't that just regular boxing? <laughs> but sure. <laughs> Or uh, what is it? Sorry, not boxing, wrestling. Yeah, just I was going to say. Like, yeah, I was like, I think you're talking about wrestling, which is 100 percent authentic and real. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> but with boxing, but with throwing boxing, it has, I think, maybe more consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you um, know, the legality of it. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. His his coach, uh, whose name is Gunsaku Gunsaku Namu, um, is just a. It's so funny because I, I I really love the execution of that character, right? Like the, um, uh-huh. he's like, he's unscrupulous. He he is kind of like in in the mud with with Joe. Uh, of course, he was a former fighter himself. He he trained a lot of really uh, notable uh, megalo box fighters in his time, and is now kind of occupying the role of archetypal washed up. Uh, you know, uh, um, ne'er do well essentially, uh, along with Junk Dog. Um, but he also like like Junk Dog, um, is has that glint of talent, right? Like he has a really keen talent and eye for mega <laughs> sport itself, right? He is. He has um, a good so, eye. Uh, he? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I actually walked right into that one. Um, <laughs> by the end yeah. of it, by the end of it, he'll have no eye for talent. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say that's too soon. I want to say it's too soon, but it's not oh, really. Cause I also, the first season's a couple years old now. Yeah. Three years old, actually. Uh, 
Oh man, but this the second show. season, God. Anyway, we'll get to it, man. Okay, so so uh, one of one of the the great things that happens at the very start of this show is that there is that like um, that turning point moment that happens for uh, Junk Dog, and I I keep on almost calling him Joe because uh, he is about to change his name uh, right after the first start of the show, but he decides that he does yeah, not want to throw a, fights anymore. That's a weird. He he changes his name to Joe, and I was like, "But why?" Like, I know that Joe is a name that comes up in Japanese too, but like, why? And it turns out that this is a this is based on Ashitano Joe, which is a yep. an older, long running, relatively popular, not relatively very popular boxing manga mm-hmm. from what, like the eighties or something, mm-hmm. the sixties. Uh, it ran from sixty eight so- to seventy three. Ashitano Joe. Um, and yes. then the anime was early seventies, like 70 to 71. So, so this yeah. is like a, I think they're making a manga off of it, but this is uh functionally an anime only sort of reboot of Ashtino Joe in a new setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so that's, I think why he picks that name. Cause it's the reference. Yeah. So junk dog decides that he is no longer going to be in the throw in fights business because he wants to fight for real. Um, and because of that, uh, he, he, uh, is basically breaking with the agreement that was happening because his trainer is in deep with the mafia. He owes a lot of money, um, and he is slowly paying this off by, um, uh, by having his fighter throw these fights and make money for the mob boss that he is in deep with. Um, because jo- uh, because uh, Junk Dog decides that he doesn't want to fought, throw these fights anymore and he's going to fight for real, um, he uh, is going to basically completely screw over his trainer. Um, his trainer is going to be uh, completely in the hole and have to find a way out. Um, and uh, Junk Dog decides after this that he is just going to like, uh, I I need to get out, I need to ride, I need to just... Uh, go away from this um, and he decides that he is just gonna like drive off into the rainy sunset uh, man yeah that, rock flag and eagle yeah he's gonna he's gonna drive into a chance encounter um, with a woman that happens to be the organizer of this massive megalo boxing tournament called megalonia um it is like the premier megalo boxing tournament that is ever going to happen with a huge uh prize pool at the very end of it and also becoming like a champion of champions uh the person that is traveling along with her is the current like i i guess he's the current number one champion of megalo boxing um and his name is yes. yuri um he is not on ice he instead he is uh, another guy that just He's seems ice cold. Yeah. Oh, uh, got him. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed <laughs> it. Yes. That's he, it. he is on ice. Cause he is just so, he is just so cool. He's that's cooler a, than cool. He's ice. There cold. was a, there was a moment. There was a, <laughs> there was a moment late in the series, uh, where I thought he might be a little on ice, if you know what I mean. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
there's so many jokes in here where like if, if people are just listening through because they're like hey i just want to hear about this show i'm not going to watch it they're going to be like i i don't get it. and then they're going to go and watch them and be like you guys are idiots like, <laughs> look if they're, listening, gonna like, to this, they're gonna, yeah. if they're listening to our show and this is not their first time they already know we're idiots they know yeah this is true this is true and i am in good good company yeah um yes so uh <laughs> junk dog is going to it's a walk. bridge meeting yeah so junk dog is going to get into like a uh, a slap fight with yuri that doesn't actually turn into slaps um just because they are <laughs> but can you imagine that <laughs> oh yeah they're they're about to start uh throwing punches at each other but it turns out that they're not going to throw punches at each other because they are stopped um and so the other thing that pisses Junk Dog off, and we find out about this with Megalonia, is that you have to um, be a citizen of this city, and because of that, Junk Dog, who that you know, it's it doesn't doesn't go well on a citizenship. I don't know placard. I don't know what the hell those things are. I'm assuming it's like a driver's license or like a passport. Um, but it's it's basically like a. Uh, I don't know why in the future everybody is just like, you know what we should do? We have cell You're phones, <laughs> but we should turn these cell phones into pieces of glass that we can carry around. That I don't know. It's just whatever. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Anyways, um, he's yeah. he's not a citizen, and so he can't join Megalonia. And so in order to do that, his trainer has to convince the mafia boss in order to pay him off that he can get his fighter into Megalonia and win Megalonia, and because of that, he needs to get an ID from the Mafia bus, and that's how we get to basically episode two. That's all of episode one. It's so much information. Yeah, this show's really stacked. Can we also just note, too, Joe gets his ID from a guy who they ran out of patience for in the Mafia, and there's this really like super messed up scene where, where Ganbu is in the, in the, I don't know. If, I don't remember if it's an office or like a kitchen with the mob boss. And you literally hear like bones breaking and a guy screaming in the other room. Cause they're yeah. basically like slowly killing this guy. Um, and they're like, yeah, you can have his identity, you know, and like <laughs> assign it and assign, assign a name to it. Like it's brutal. Like it was super brutal. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Gungrave, um, but yeah. Gungrave is probably one of the best interpretations of like mafia that like I've seen in anime um, because it really kind of conveys like the the domineering presence of a proper mob boss. Um, mm. And this actually helped to capture that energy again. Like that scene, I was like, holy shit, like they they need to like get this sorted out or they are going to just literally like tear these guys apart. So um, I thought yeah, that it, was it's super also, well done. It, it's also a good, a good mark in favor of the writing of the series, which is strong throughout um, that they know how to uh, show you what the stakes are. Like it's clear that they're going to, they're going to fuck him up and probably kill him, but they, they just put a fine point on it that way without without the characters being like hear what's happening to that guy that's what's going to happen to you like they don't right. have to yeah, do that right yeah it wasn't it wasn't that it. overt right they kn- they know how to use yeah. the subtlety which is 
which is so so good um, because they could they could have totally had a scene where it's like we're going to use gratuitous violence and like show you like actually show you what we would uh-huh. do but they don't have to he's just like stirring he's like making soup or something he's like making like a like a duck fat soup or something and he's just talking about like how you would make a soup and how you would extract marrow from bones and like using culinary language as you're hearing this guy getting brutalized mm-hmm. like Right, so yeah, that's just that guy so, got chopped, so you know? good. Yeah, so yeah, they got chopped and got put into soup. <laughs> they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna make him into soup. Uh, anyways, um, so, unfortunately, he forgot a basket ingredient and he had to be chopped. Oh yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> yes, I love the reference. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <love> so, <laughs> so uh, jo- uh, his name is now he's gonna go by Joe. Uh, uh, on his fake ID, and so he changes his name to Joe. He needs to get better gear because his gear is not good enough in order to fight in Megalonia. Um, and so uh, he is going to look to get better gear. Um, he ends up uh, joining up with a, a a a group of little rabble risers that are inside of a pawn shop um, in order to get some better gear, and that that better gear ends up failing. And because of that, uh, Joe ends up just fighting by himself without any gear and taking out this guy uh, that that is trying to fight for this uh, uh, pawn shop owner. And because of that, they decide his gimmick is that he is going to fight without gear and he gets into a fight and his first fight in the ring is against this guy that's like something shark or something. Um, and they, everybody freaks out because they're like, there's nothing inside of the rules that says that you have to wear gear in order to fight in Megalo boxing. And so he becomes gearless Joe and man, oh man, this, this show then hits like overdrive on the fighting. There's every episode Mm -hmm. is pretty, has a pretty wild fight inside of it that gets like pretty in depth. Um, can you can you go through Jeremy uh, the the first fight against I, I can't remember his first name it's like something the shark. Um, so it's uh, Shark uh, Samajima, um, mm. and he was the one hundred and eighty fifth ranked boxer, right? So like as Joe sort of like getting getting inducted into um, the world of of Megalonia, um, and it it actually kind of reminds me of Levius. Uh, and I know you guys covered Levius before Levius Est, mm-hmm. right? Um, where he kind of gets into the whole like mixed martial arts and cyborg fighting and all that other stuff. Um, it's sort of yeah, like I a think similar an anime idea for that coming out, so we'll have to revisit that series soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, so yeah, he he takes on the 185th ranked guy, uh, and you know it's it's sort of like a um, he's able to because his gear breaks apart. Right. Um, he's he's trying to wear like a prototype and it breaks, but he's still able to beat this guy without it. And that's when he becomes gearless Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that it becomes his claim to fame and Nanbu and, and the other guys realize like when you have a, uh, a moniker like that, right? Like that's how he's going to gain notoriety. And that's how he's going to be able to attract folks who otherwise would have no business, right? Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to fight a guy who's ranked 185th, right? You're not going to jump the 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 leagues you need to to get to the top in time because they only have three months, 
right? That's part of this whole deal is they only have a few months for him to get qualified for Megalonia. And so he's got to be making these moves really fast. Um, and so Nanbu is just kind of using his expertise as a coach, as a, as like a, what's the name of the like promoter, like the guys who like set up the fights, right? Yeah. That's separate from the coach. Um, so he's using kind of all those skills to be like, okay, this is how we're going to basically leapfrog to the spots that we need to get in. Um, because after, yeah, you wouldn't normally jump to 185, but they need to jump the shark, you know? and the crowd goes angry um yeah Look, so i'm just trying is, to really channel my john lovett so uh <laughs> I'm, I'm working on that it's gonna get worse from uh, here i i i wonder if uh <laughs> anybody from Podsafe listens to this <laughs> i would be so happy um that would be I love, incredible i love you John. <laughs> there was that oh my god whatever the episode was where that he had the guy on doing the Bernie impersonation was so good. It was such a good impersonation. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah. So that's shark. And he, he jumps up to 185th um, from there. And then it's it, like you said, it's sort of like rapid fire. These early episodes are very rapid fire. They sort of show in a montage style, him taking on a, a handful of fights um, that then get him to uh, rank 102 um in in very short order uh so he and he's got to get to like 12 or something like really really high up to be have a chance yeah so it turns out though that like the big the big big break that is going to happen for gearless joe though after he defeats this guy and goes up the rank a little bit um is that it turns out that because of his uh trainer's past um, there is a fighter that is currently ranked, I believe it's 18th. Um, and this this fighter that's ranked 18th is a previous um, fighter that was underneath his current trainer. Um, this fighter we are going to find out um, was horribly, horribly maimed inside of a war. Um, both of his legs were maimed to the point where they had to be amputated at the knee. Um, and so he is now um, boxing with uh prosthetic legs um as well as uh it i think he i think he has like a a burns across the top part of his body but i know it's horribly burned across the top of his face too um so yeah because he was caught in an explosion yeah so uh, a lot of bad stuff happened to him yeah so this character decides that he wants to fight joe because um as he explains to uh, his trainer, he was like, I want to fight him because I want to destroy this person that you have created. And he's just like, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe we should yeah. do this fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, so yeah. I mean, remember, he's he's ranked 102nd. And, and Aragaki's actually uh, 17th at the time. Oh, okay. um, so, so he's ranked 17th. And so imagine like... You're you're like the hundred and second best person in the world at something, and the guy who's number seventeen is like, "Hey, step into the ring, let's have a fight." And you're like, "Oh, geez, specifically um, so I can destroy you." Specifically so I could destroy you, and I also, by the way, trained with your coach, so I know how he would train you. Right? I know how you know what your weaknesses would be, um, even though like you have your own inherent skill. Right? Your coach is is guiding you, right, and refining you in mm-hmm. his own image, um, and so that is just. Uh, 
it's it's really obviously a, a, a massive challenge for for Joe and and for Nanbu. And what I this was the arc for me that that totally I was totally bought in. Oh um, yeah, man! They do this, they this do an unreal job of weaving uh, storyline in bursts uh, in in interspersed with bursts of action. Um, it is it is really really well done, and uh, I'm going to make a reference to this because this is one of the 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 I I feel like the directors of uh, this show the way that they did this they really played around with time in a way that was really interesting um, with flashbacks and flash forwards to these action moments in a way that I hadn't seen since something like, like, like a lost or something like that um, where there is like that Mm. great interspersed between like this very frantic, like, you know, each one of these rounds inside of this fight, they're they're only three minutes, I believe in each one of the different um, parts of the fight. Um, And because of that, you're going to be interspersing with information and uh, these like these flashbacks to what make these characters what they are and why they are at this position that they are. And it's just beautifully interwoven. Yeah. And and I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you guys do trigger warnings or anything, um, but I mean, there is uh, Aragaki. Don't have to throw them uh, in. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, um, there there is uh, suicide um, uh, references. A lot of uh, of consideration of this, right? A big part of Aragaki's story is, you know, Nanbu trained him, and Nanbu told him that he would be that that g- the gym that he trained at would always be there for him, right? When he goes off to war, and then uh, Nanbu is under the impression that he dies in that attack where he's so badly injured. And so when Aragaki gets back, there's nothing there. He doesn't know where Nanbu is. The gym shut down and he is just utterly broken, like broken. So broken. It's, it's really heart wrenching too. And the, the thing that really got me the most about it wasn't like the suicidal moment. It was that moment where he's in front of the gym and he throws himself through the window out of his wheelchair. I was just like, yeah. oh my God. Like, it's just yeah. brutal to see somebody that's just like, just in so much pain. And he's just like, I I have to be in something that is comforting me, even if it is just like at the risk of my own bodily harm. Um, and it's yeah. just, it, it's just brutal. And at the same time, you're seeing this flashback that tells us why we are so, uh, you know, why Aragaki is the way that he is and fighting as hard as he can. We are seeing him mm-hmm. slowly start to lose his his cool and his calm inside of this fight because he is beating the Christ out of Joe um, at the start of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is really, yeah. really brutal. Um, but Joe starts to calm down, and as Joe calms down, he's like, getting back to these basics. And as he mentions these basics over and over again inside of the fight, I think it's like, uh, keep it, keep it in the middle or keep it 50, 50. I can't remember, uh, the exact phrase that he keeps on saying over and over again. Um, but what he's referring to is like, you're, you're balancing your defense with your offense and you're staying close with the other fighter so that you can control the pace of the fight. And, uh, it's, it's like a, it's a very simple boxing 
you know, technique. But what it does, because it is this simple thing, it's starting to remind Aragaki that he's just like, this guy is a pure fighter as well. And what he is doing is he's starting to reignite this love of boxing instead of boxing out of hatred for, you know, getting back to what he was. So instead of like it being yeah, fueled is... by hate, it starts to be fueled by the love of this game that he's playing. This is an important point about Joe uh, as a boxer and specifically as the gearless boxer in a league where the thing is that you wear gear. It's like the right. gear in general, it doesn't it doesn't change you drastically. Like you're still boxing, but it just it puts a little extra into all your punches is the impression that I got. And there, there are exceptions to this rule, but for the most part, it is just sort of enhancing the fighter so that they hit that much harder. And so Joe going into the ring without gear is definitely a distinct disadvantage. But the, the thing that is so great and that works so well in the series favor in regards to like creating and maintaining the tension of these fights is that Joe is just a great boxer. And so he is not always better than his opponent necessarily, but he is good enough that the disadvantage that comes from being hit by these super-powered punches is offset by the sheer talent that he has and the ways that he's able to predict his opponent's moves and roll with them and stuff like that. And that that's one of the things that makes him a great character and one of the things that works so well in the series favor. Uh, but also in this fight specifically, it's one of the reasons why it, it works with Aragaki because he is just like, this is just a guy that's boxing and he is boxing sort of uphill against these, you know, mechanical armed opponents yeah. and he's going for it and he's doing great. And Aragaki just starts to see that and feel it in, in his heart, you know? Yeah. yeah, this. Man. Oh, what were you gonna say? No, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I was gonna say like um, something that's that's really you know you you find out after the fight right like you know Joe is ultimately successful and, and beats Aragaki um, and and Nanbu is able to sort of reconcile with him uh, with Aragaki in in the locker room because um, he Aragaki kind of reveals that the fighting that he's been doing is like risking him being bedridden, right? Like yeah. his commitment to this task, right? Um, throwing his whole, literally like his whole body into this sport. Um, what's left of, of his body into the sport um, is ultimately going to, you know, take away this thing that he's, he has so much passion for. Um, and, you know, again, I, I think it was, it's just really great. I, I like that you called out, the sort of shift in the emotion in terms of Aragaki's anger. Um, and then eventually it becomes this recognition of Joe, like seeing a lot of similar uh, elements in Joe as a person, right? Like the personalities are similar in a lot of ways. Uh, and then it just becomes like, okay, which of us is a better student, right? Like it becomes more of that determination side of thing uh, things. And mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Okay. After this fight, we get to meet our, uh, I would say he's my uh, most hated character. Would everybody else agree um, that Mikio <laughs> yeah, is this the guy is a damnedest chump. worst? This guy is a chump. <laughs> okay, so Mikio is, is uh, Mr. The, Ace. 
Yeah, he is he is the brother of uh, the woman that is running this Megalo boxing tournament, um, Megalonia. Um, I believe her name is uh, Yukio. Um, Yukiko. Uh, Sasuke. Yukiko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Sasuke. You're weak, Sasuke. <laughs> yeah, but Mikio, um, he is he is very obnoxious. Um, it, he is using this gear. Um, uh, okay, this is important to know. Actually, um, there are two different kinds of gear that are going to be are, are currently being um, adapted for this company that is in. It's not in limbo anymore, but it was originally in limbo, and it was given to one of the children from their grandfather. Um, that was the sister. Um, she is developing a sort of, uh, technology for gears that can be turned into basically turning people into super soldiers. Um, it integrates with their body. What were you saying? Yeah. It's kind of an Iron Man-esque situation. Yeah. Like you mentioned the MCU earlier and it's kind of like what they were talking about in like, I I think it's Iron Man 2. They're trying to steal the armor so they can mass produce it for the military. This is along those lines. Yeah. So um, she 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 wanted to make this uh, this this gear uh, so that she can ended up selling it to the military. Um, Her brother wants to make a uh, one that is going to be based around AI, and it will predict what the other person inside of a ring will do. And so it will make it the sport push to the highest level that the sport can be. So because of this, um, they are sort of at odds with each other. And Mikio, because he is also the damn worst, um, he is experimenting on himself um, in order to push this gear to its limit. And he is the most cocky, uh, most obnoxious character in the side of the show. Um, and yeah, he it- is... He is also going to completely screw over Joe um, because he wants he wants to be in Megalonia. His sister does not want him to be in Megalonia, and he knows that. And so the only person that he thinks is going to stop him from getting inside of Megalonia is uh, Gearless Joe. And the reason why is because he's like, I'm going to be forced to get into a fight with this guy because they're going to try to figure out any way to keep me out of this. So what I'm going to do is after I win my fight against this really high-ranked megaloboxer, I'm going to call out Joe for a fight. And because he is a lower-ranked, it's going to be too good of a... a uh, it's too good of a challenge to give up. And so he is going to fight me. But before the fight begins, he is going to show that he knows that Joe's ID is fake and he is going to basically hold him to that. And uh, because of that, he's like, I'm going to expose you if you come out to fight. It's going to ruin you and you're never going to get into Megalonia. Um, and so Joe's just like caught off guard by this. He then sucker punches him. And it's just, it's messed up. Um, he's just a really yeah. horrible character. <laughs> yeah. But and, also- and it's, go ahead, go ahead. Isn't he cheating? Like, how is this allowed? He's absolutely cheating. <laughs> like, and they're all just, and he's one of the top boxers. And his whole thing is that, like, my system is AI. And I'm like, so you're not doing any of it. And a computer is 
cheating for you and everybody's just fine with it. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah it's 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 interesting because um you know it, it's he wants to show off his version of the gear, right? Cuz he knows that Yukiko's talking to the military about and and trying to sell her version of the gear as a super soldier thing, but he wants that fame. He wants that glory. He's tired mm-hmm. of Yukiko kind of standing in front of him and taking all the the limelight. And so, you know, it's it's just sort of a different version of gear, which is absolutely cheating. But, um, you know, it, that's kind of like what his thing is, right? It's like, well, my gear is superior because it's smarter. It's able to target all these things, identify, you know, uh, a boxer's weaknesses and then be able to seize that. And so he's trying to, to stand out. Yeah. I would say that, that following the Aragaki arc, I actually found during my first watch through of this series that – it lost a bit, of, a little bit of steam for me, um, and I don't know. Oh if it yeah, was the same for, for you sure. Guys. Uh, but like following Aragaki and like just how much emotionally I was involved in Aragaki's story, how he was tied in with Nambu, and like like the way that it handled all that emotional depth and everything else, I was like, man, this show is amazing. And then this arc comes along, and it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still ended up the show with like, hey, this is a really great show. I really enjoyed it. I want to see more, but. I was like, really? Like, this is what's next? Mm-hmm. And it kind of took a little bit of the wind out of the sails for me. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's an interesting new angle for the fight. Like, I think they do a good job of each fight has its own thing in the same way that each fighter has their own gimmick where you're like, the shark fight is his first challenge. And then um, uh, Aragaki is like a personal thing. And now he's fighting this robot. And it's interesting, but it this the emotional investment just isn't there in the same way um, yeah and i'm annoyed because they're cheating and everybody is just letting it happen so yeah I'm and just like it's i not think bad but it's definitely not as gripping i think the thing that really gets me about it too is that like shark the shark character is he's frustrating but he is obviously a fighter that wants to win and he has he has like an interesting spin on his story uh, Aragaki is a very relatable antagonist. He's somebody that is fighting for a reason. And then you get Mikio. And the problem with him is that he is an 80s rom-com villain. He is just <laughs> bad, and you don't identify with him, and you don't care about him at all. And what almost makes it worse is that there are many times where he is shown as like trying to become better and pushing himself to the limit. And it seems like they're trying to get you to connect with him, but you never do, especially when he's like gonna punch that dog in one scene. And you're just like, man, fuck you. Like, yeah, Yuri's (laughs) Yuri's dog is like, get, he's about to like get onto him and bite him. And it, the whole point of it is so that they can get into the fact that Junk Dog uh, is the name uh, Joe had beforehand uh, given to him by his mother. Don't forget. Um, yeah, the dog but, imagery is not subtle in this series. Yeah, and the yeah. Junk Dog is going to bite into you and it is going to stay bitten into you. Anyways, that leads into the fight. The fight is uh, very, very obnoxiously one-sided for almost all of the fight. Um, the... Uh, uh, Joe is just going to get completely beaten senseless um, until he decides uh, that he has an idea, which is that he 
who he is fighting against is not a true fighter. He is fighting against an AI that predicts what happens when it is fighting against a boxer who is getting ready and going to throw punches. Because of that, he is going to drop his guard and he is then just going to move around aimlessly inside of the field. And because of this, the AI is not going to be able to predict it and he is going to start again in Mikio's head. And so Mikio is going to take over... Um, turn off the auto command for his uh, control. And in that moment, he gives himself an opening. And uh, because of that, Joe seizes on it and knocks him out with a single punch. Um, it is, it is yeah. an interesting fight, but at the same time, it is not nearly as interesting as the fight before and not nearly as interesting as the final fight, which is just, oh man, Yuri versus Joe is just like three it's episodes awesome. of greatness. <laughs> yeah. And so really quick before we leave Mikio, who I know we all agree is kind of an asshole. Um, but what I will say is I appreciated the sort of uh, brief peek uh, into like when he's questioning whether or not he has the boxing talent or it's his gear. I thought that mm-hmm. was a really interesting moment because it does give you this like very quick glimpse in term and like in humanizing him. Right. In terms of, you know, it, he obviously has a passion for megalo boxing in his own way. Right. He wants to be a good boxer. Right. He wants to have faith in that. Of course he has pride in his gear and pride in his AI, but to a certain extent, like he doesn't want to feel like a puppet. Right. And so um, that that moment kind of near the end where he's wondering, like, am I doing all of this? Right. Do, do I get to take ownership of this or am I just, you know, going through the motions? Literally, um, I, I appreciated that attempt to to try and bring that in and, and try to humanize Mikio a bit at the end. Um, it's still class A asshole. Still felt like it wasn't as strong as Aragaki or, of course, the Yuri fight to come. But um, just a little redeeming. Uh, a little redeeming token there near the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I maintain a little bit more sympathy for this character. I, I think he really struggles more because of the storyline and characters he's following rather than because he's a, like, I don't think he's a bad character. He's just less interesting than what happened before and after. So he kind of, yeah. uh, he breaks the build of the series a little bit and then sort of takes the blame for all of that somewhat justifiably yeah yeah okay so this next little arc before the final fight um is going to be the uh i would say the the mafia the mafia ending to the show um which is that uh the the initial agreement that he made with this mob boss was to get to mechalonia um, it wasn't to win Megalonia, and so now there is a bet for Joe to throw a fight, um, and Joe does not want to do that, and Nambu doesn't really want him to do it as well, but they're basically told by this mob boss that it's just like, not basically, they're told straight out by this mob boss that they're like, hey, if you don't throw this fight, I'm just going to kill all three of you. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 interesting, like in terms of, again, like Fujimaki, who is the mob boss, is, is sort of brought back into it. Um, 
He's still sort of like kind of on the periphery for for a lot of this stuff, but he comes charging back in, um, you know, during this whole arc with uh, with Mikio uh, and everything. And and this is when um, kind of again leading up to the fight with Yuri, this is when uh, Nanbu uh, decides to sacrifice his other eye um, because uh, basically when. Um, you know, Joe, Joe is leading, uh, Joe does another match with, uh, Glenn Burroughs, um, which is their, their semifinal, uh, their semifinal match. Um, and when they're going through that, that's the fight he's supposed to throw, right? Like that's, that that's what's going to basically pay off, um, what Nanbu owes and they would all be off scot-free is the idea. Um, but nobody likes that. Nobody wants to do that. Um, Nanbu, of course, trying to be the the survivalist is the only one who kind of wants it to happen. Uh, but when when uh, so, uh, oh, have we talked about Sachio at all? I don't think we have. Holy shit! I don't think we have either. No. There, okay. So real there, quick, there's <laughs> also a little boy yeah, that's with him. <laughs> Huge little boy. <laughs> Yeah, Sachio is 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 a pretty big important character. Definitely going to be important in the second season too. But his dad actually invented gears. Uh, so just a thing. Um, that's actually revealed during the Mikio arc is that his dad had the prototype for for the gear that Yuri uses, which is like the most advanced one that's out there. Uh, but then his research was stolen and he was killed. So yay. Um, yeah. But anyway, so during the fight with Burroughs. Right, Sachio kind of charges in and is like, "No, Joe, you can do it." And then Joe gets up and and knocks him out. I said, "Kills him." No, he knocks him out. Um, and then that's when like the ish hit the fan in terms of the stuff with the with the mob, and they're like, "Okay, yeah." Like, but the the mob is just going to be okay with it because uh, because Nambu gets stabbed in his other eye, and they're just like, "That's enough." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't. He stabs himself. <laughs> He does. He sacrifices other eye. He, he and I think Fujimaki is just impressed by his determination because he's just like you know I believe in Joe enough that I'm willing to do this, and he stabbed yeah. his other eye. Yeah, and I'm they, just like, he cut him in the eyes. He cut him in the eyes. So <laughs> yes, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Adventure Time reference, everybody. Adventure Time reference. Anyways. Um, that takes us into the final fight, which is uh, so interesting. And the reason why it is so interesting is that Yuri is like, fuck this gear shit. I'm going to fight without gears too. And so it turns into, and this is something I've said a bunch of times um, inside of this show's history. Um, but this is one that you should rewatch. Even if you've seen the show before, you should go back and you should just rewatch the fight between Yuri and Joe. Um, it is a, uh, God, I think it's like, it ends up being like 15 rounds, um, or something like that. It's like a incredibly yeah, like a long rounds, boxing match. Rounds. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, in, long. It, it's, it's such a long boxing match that like, if this was a boxing match in, in, you know, real life, they would have called it before this because the <laughs> fighters, the fighters would have been so bloodied and so beaten by the end of this that you could be inflicting real, real damage to the possibility of this person dying at the end of the fight. Um, there's, there's something inside of boxing. It's less inside of MMA. Um, it, it should be inside of MMA, but it's really inside of boxing where there is, um, a perceived sportsmanship, um, 
that has to be inside of the boxing match. And at any time, um, a, a couple of different people that are out there can call the match. And one of them is a ref. Inside of this show, there doesn't appear to be a ref that's like running around with them at all times that can just call it whenever they want to call it. Um, but that is something that you have in normal boxing so that people can't basically beat each other to death. Um, and so this this fight is just a culmination of everything that you wanted to see when you were watching the show. If you were like, I like the backstory and the way that they're interweaving it, but can we just get a pure fight from start to finish? And that's what you get here. It is just them beating the hell out of each other and trying to figure out how each other are going to be countering. Um, it's it's just it's a great breakdown of good back and forth fighting. Yeah, I think one of the things that works well for me is that you you're in on the strategy of the boxing. Yeah, because you know them just punching each other in a boxing ring. Uh, it's not that exciting on its own to me. Obviously, boxing fans would disagree, but I am not one. Um, but being able to see the the things that they're learning and the things that they're seeing from each other and then the way that they take that information and run with it is really interesting. And this fight does that while also combining the personal stakes of both of these characters' stories and of the ways that their stories have intersected and particularly with the, you know, as the culmination of like the journey that Joe has been on. Like, it's just so... It's such a good story climax. Yeah, it, it, it executes really well near the end, right? Um, you know, Yuri uh, goes to um, Mikio, our favorite person, um, actually to like have his gear removed. And it's it's interesting because, you know, ultimately, of course, Yukiko finds out that that Joe's idea is no good. Um you know, during these kind of like last couple of episodes, right? She finds out like his ID is yeah. no good. She has every reason to disqualify him. Um, she knows that one, that's not a good idea for a couple of reasons. First of all, like publicity, right? Like she, she's a showrunner. She knows like people are, love gearless Joe. Um, this is, he's kind of becoming like a, a spirit of inspiration for the people and things like that. And so she would basically be inviting, you know, uh, publicity hell upon herself if she disqualified him at that point. And, Yuri is so determined to fight Joe that he's having his gear removed. Right. And so she just doesn't understand it. Like what makes this, what makes Joe so special, right? Why is Yuri so determined to, to have this fight with him? Um, and yeah, I just think it, it, it's just played out it, it really, really well in terms of, you know, Yuri's motivations, you know, Joe finally getting to meet him again, uh, in Megalonia, um, you know the 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 endurance rounds right like 13 rounds of boxing like oh yeah boxing that's is three insane minutes long, right that's, that's 39 that's, minutes of beating the crap out of each other like that's not a good time <laughs> yeah it's just crazy <laughs> like I, I i i always point this out to people when they talk about that when they talk about boxing and they were just like okay but i mean like why is it so difficult for these people to like not knock the other person out and all that kind of stuff and i'm like okay normal fights that people talk about for years. Like if you were in high school and two people got into a fight, 
you're going to be able to like talk about it and be like, oh my God, this happened and this happened and this happened in this side of the fight. And probably that fight lasted less than a minute. These people are fighting yeah. for three minutes. They are trained to hit each other as hard as possible. And they did it 13 times in a row. It's just <laughs> yeah, madness when you think about it that way. It's crazy. Um, if, so you, crazy. If, you, if you ever want to watch like a, a, a really, really intense version that is sort of like this and decided by um, like a, a, a final um, uh, scorecard, uh, the last Pacquiao fight, I believe, um, where it's like an actual boxing match, um, that is going to be a, a good representation of something like that. Because when you're dealing with like heavyweight fighters inside of boxing, a lot of the times they get more of the knockouts. And the reason why is just because because they are bigger, they um, they are able to take a lot more body blows to each other. However, the biggest problem is that you can build up a lot of muscle around your body to take body blows. But one place that you can't build up muscle is your face. Um, and yep. <laughs> yeah, and so heavyweight boxers uh, uh, can they end their a lot more of their fights with straight up knockouts, where the person is hit in the face so hard that they can no longer focus and get up, and so they are just out out. Whereas uh, the featherweight and the welterweight fighters, a lot of times uh, they because they are lightweight. Um, they don't land as many punches that are going to knock each other out. And they're also moving a lot faster. Um, and because of that, um, you see a lot of the, a lot more of these fights that are decided by the committee. So these are people that are watching as judgment, uh, on these fights. And they're the ones that are going to be like scoring each one of the different punches and what, you know, what people landed when, and they give the scorecard at the end of it, where it's just like, Hey, this person, you know, won because they landed more blows and it was decided by either um, a full decision and sometimes it's a split decision. Um, and then the ref that's inside of the ring will end up calling it or um, they will call it as a tie, which is very rare, but sometimes happens. But anyways, that kind of stuff happens. The end of this fight, though, is that they there is a like a snapshot moment where they are both throwing their final punch at each other um and then we cut to the future where yuri's like in a wheelchair and they have started their it's like gym nowhere um and we find out that uh, gearless joe won the fight by ko um and that's basically the end of season one um as I as as we have all said, watch the show. <laughs> it's it's yeah, great. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's also only thirteen episodes. It's an easy watch. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a good binge for like a you know like a weekend like a like a Sunday morning you know or whatever. Uh, you could you could watch the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, fantastic. And it's funny because like leading into talking about Nomad, which is the second season, I actually wrote. You know, I wrote reviews for Megalobox like as it was airing, um, kind of weekly. So if you go to uh, thegeeklygrind.com, there's my plug. Um, if you go, if you go to the site and you look up <laughs> Megalobox, you'll find that I did like episode reviews for it pretty much every week. And on the la- for the last episode, I commented that the ending was almost a little too clean and almost yeah. a little too happy. <laughs> and I feel like Yikes. the director took that personally <laughs> when it came to Nomad. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I feel like the director saw that sh- saw that shit and was like, oh, oh, he wants to be sad. <laughs> okay. And yeah, then he I made will say Nomad. The clean, the clean ending of Megalobox season one works really well for me because it feels like a good culmination of the like journey that these characters have been on. It feels like something that they've earned, which is very in line with the sort of boxing theme of the show. Yeah. Then nomad. Okay. It's almost like like they didn't expect, it's like they didn't expect the second season. Like, I feel like that's how they made the first one. It's like, okay, if we don't get a second season, we'll tie it up. Right. We'll make it clean. (laughs) So again, if you want to check out for this, this is going to be spoiler heavy. Um, at least for the, the beginning of it, uh, I, I don't want to dive into that many of these episodes, but it's definitely going to be spoilers. So if you um, if you if you want to go ahead and check out and start watching the second season and come back um, uh, with that being said, uh, season two begins with, you know what, let's if Spike Spiegel became a boxer and then uh, wanted to remain a boxer um, or he, he, let's say he, Spike Spiegel was a bounty hunter, but he stopped being a good bounty hunter. So he had to get addicted to red eye. Um, that's, that's what happens, uh, <laughs> to gearless Joe. Um, he's gotten addicted to painkillers, um, to keep his body able to continue to function while he's fighting because he's addicted to fighting and he has to keep doing it. Um, he's also gotten into his, uh, his grunge phase. Uh, so, he is unkept and uh man this one is this one's dark <laughs> man so dark yeah. so yeah you you're basically following joe it's been i think it says about, about 5 years i think there's some some way that they they kind of orient you time wise um it's a with, i think with, it's 6 and a half years yeah something like that it's it, it's it's been yeah it's been it's cuz there was the i think it's been I think it does say it was five years since he won the the belt, right? And so, and then um, I don't know if it's accounting for the year jump at the end or anything, but anyways, it's been it's been a few years. And the thing is, like, you don't know what happened, right? You're just diving in to see this disheveled um, uh, Joe who is like beating the crap out of these underground boxers who like are just trying to like get started, right? Like they're like, okay, I'm gonna go down to the underground ring and, and try try and win win some money, and then you run across the former champion of Megalonia, and you're just like, okay, well, I guess not. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just man. If you think Ennui is like the name of the game with the start of season one, season two is heavy. Yeah, yeah. You also have like you yeah, also have like I, a, a lot of imagery that's going to come up, but like him bearing the wolf inside of the first episode. Uh, there's also going to be like a straight up Star Wars episode uh, six moment where like Nambu is just like uh, Obi Wan's him. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he comes back as his yeah. ghost, yeah, his I, friend. <laughs> I think this series, um, it's so uh, there's six episodes available now. I've seen all six of them, and I don't think that it goes down as easy as the first one by even a comparable margin because no. it's so much heavier. 
Yeah. The yeah. first one is a fairly fairly standard, albeit well done, shonen narrative of an underdog pushing to become top dog largely through sheer determination. And right. that's, you know, that's one of the things that makes shonen anime so great is just like those determined pro- protagonists and seeing them overcome insurmountable odds. This is a show, season two, is about like a character who achieved that dream and then their life went to shit potentially as at least partly a result of the dream achieving. And it is just, it's sort of a repudiation of that and it's very sad and it's very dour, but it's it's really, it's well done. So it's not like, it's not grim to the point of like just abject misery but it's pretty miserable and i had a hard time with that while also being enamored with other things that the show's doing yeah sure. yeah there's there is truly some amazing stuff that happens inside of the first two episodes so like i said i watched the first two so that i could get like our our normal spin on uh weekly jump where we get like the first couple of episodes in and tell us like you know our first our first uh after watching how we felt about it and i would say after watching these first two episodes i am completely completely enthralled with the story in a very different way than the way that i was enthralled with the story from season one and the way that i would compare it would be in season one i felt like i was watching a shonen anime where i was rooting for the main character and hoping he grows out of it in season two, I felt like I was watching a gritty HBO lo- uh, series that was happened to be an anime series. Like that's the yeah, w- yeah. that's the way I landed on it, and and it really really struck me that way, and I was just like, oh, this is this is one that that I would say that. If you're somebody who is like pure shonen trash, you need to have a character that's just going to like, you know, um, bring you along for the ride as he reaches eventual victory. Um, the second season might not be your pure cup of tea. But if you're somebody who also enjoys real good, gritty drama and that's mixed with good fighting animation and also like really good music um season music oh my god the music is so good season one has like some solid music inside of it but season two does like a really fucking cool spin um they 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 play around with a lot of like hispanic music um it's uh i don't know if it's like purely like spanish music or something like that but they 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 give it like a really solid like theme that's attached to it because of the way that the music is interwoven inside of it and i i would i i was left in i was left wanting to watch more of season 2 than i was would want to watch more of something exactly like season 1 and i yeah. i i think that's just Yeah, I it's it's really I mean, the story really in season two is about redemption in a sense. But what I'm just absolutely enthralled by 
with season two is how it is turning a lot of of really um really common tropes on its head in terms of like what you would expect from a hero right what you would expect you know uh, or, or or hope for uh from a hero like five years after the fact even a hero who's fallen on hard times right because i think we've we've seen this where you know you have a, a previously heroic figure uh and and they're in a rough spot um you know something happens they lost a fight whatever it is and Usually, for the sake of, of the narrative, these these ruts are pretty quick. Um, they're brief, um, and you know, usually it's like a quick, you know, like a a, vic- a quick victory or a motivating speech, and they're just kind of like up and out of it. Um, what Nomad does brilliantly is show you that life isn't that tidy, um, and that. You know, wrestling, Joe is wrestling with guilt. Joe is wrestling with guilt as a result of mistakes that he made and decisions that he made. And it's not going to get fixed fast. Like, this is about his fight to, like, earn redemption and forgiveness for himself. Um, but it's 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 a it's a harder fight than getting to the top of Megalonia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think. Your your mileage may vary on this series. I definitely think it's excellent, and it care. I think very much what you what you guys were saying. It carries on the legacy of season one without retreading season one. It's throwing completely new stuff at you while feeling familiar enough. Uh, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they're trying to make a new show and just put the Megalobox label on it by any means. It's very clearly. Megabox and very clearly the continuation of that story, but it's telling just such a deeply different story. And it's definitely harder to watch. It's definitely a lot more sad, serious. Um, And one of the tougher aspects of it too, that I've found is that season one does a really good job of endearing you to this kind of core trio. And season two is about Joe being alone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he yeah. he has somehow, some way, and you don't know at the start of season two how or why he has lost the connection with his trainer and with Sachio, his you know assistant, cheer squad, whatever. Um, and so season two explores that, and that can be a little hard to watch. Uh, like I, I found myself being upset or having a hard time with the series because I had grown to care so much about them as a unit and how they interacted with each other. And now time skip and things are not going the same way. And that's hard to stomach. But I will say that I think so far from what I've seen, the series is handling this um, sort of picking up the pieces as well as revealing to you what the pieces being picked up are in an extremely deft manner that, uh, as hard as it can be to see such a dramatic shakeup of that status quo, it's really, it's really doing a good job of investing you in what the story is now. Um, it's just, this is a very well done series and a very well written series. Uh, but series two is certainly takes a turn for the 
sadder and more the, dour more, for the and somber. That, I think yeah. will be a turnoff to a few people. Yeah, it, it's definitely the vibe is definitely different <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's Megalo Box Season One and Season Two. Everybody, um, uh, stick with us after these credits, and we'll give you another important life lesson. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. See you next week. And until then, make sure to go to thegeeklygrind.com. It's the best place to go for all of your geekly needs, anime, video games, board games. We talk about all kinds of stuff, interviews with creators. Go. Uh, we've been doing this for a long time. Do it. Uh, just go to the Geekly Grind. It's amazing. It's go amazing. Do it. Thank you, guys. Are you smoking yet?